Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you today. Welcome. Uh, This is week number three in our series called Unpopular Opinion. Susie and I have been out uh, this past week down at Disney. Feel like we've been uh, around the world and back. Uh, Actually, we were. We were down at Epcot, which is kind of like that. Uh, Got in last night about 10 o'clock and uh, real excited to be here. We had a great week, very refreshed. We actually have figured out how to do that through the years, Uh, be refreshed even down at Disney. Uh, but, But today, what I want to talk to you about is kind of like why I'm giving the message today, right on the heels. Again, got back last night at 10 o'clock. Uh, and and uh, before we jump into the message today, though, I do want to mention to the men, uh, men's weekend is coming up this Friday night. My, my good friend Andrew Moman is going to be here. He'll be preaching uh, next Sunday. Guys, invite you out to that Friday night and then Saturday morning as well. It's going to be a great time. Our theme is free to be men of God. And uh, Andrew Moman, uh, I mentioned last week, actually pastors uh, what is considered the most multicultural church in the United States of America. In Metro Atlanta area, 114 different nations are, are uh, uh, what was the word I want? Uh, 114 people represented, there it is, represented uh, in his uh, church family, which is a mega church actually. And uh, he's going to be here for Friday night, Saturday morning, and then be preaching Sunday uh, morning as well. You don't want to miss that, by the way. Invite you back for that. But men, please sign up uh, as we're getting uh, all the caterers and the uh, mechanical bull. That's what that's about. We're actually going to have a mechanical bull here. It's going to be a lot of fun as we find freedom to be the men of God that, that God has created us to be. So please sign up for that. Uh, I want to start off today by asking a question. I want to talk to my Gen Xers for just a minute. I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. Where are my Gen Xers at? Just, just raise your hand. Okay, we got four. That's great. We got four here. Uh, who was your favorite big hair band? Even if you're not a big hair band in the 80s, who was your favorite? Let me hear it. Bon Jovi. I heard Bon Jovi out there. I, I, bon Jovi, he was pretty good. Uh, that, well, the band was. Uh, uh, one of my favorites, actually, not, not as well known, but was Lover Boy. Remember Lover Boy? And uh, Lover Boy, and, and they sang that song, everybody's working for the weekend. Man, I just came off vacation. I'm singing. I must be really, how, how about that? But, uh, and that, that's been like a theme song. I mean, that's still like, a, you know, you hear that. Everybody's working for the weekend. A lot of people live their lives life that way, just trying to get to the weekend. But there's only one problem with that. The other five days of the week, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And God's got a plan and purpose for me. That's why, you know, you may think, well, just got home 10 o'clock last night. You know, I hadn't even unpacked anything like that. And here he is preaching nine o'clock in the morning. The reason why I'm here today doing this, because I was made for this. I was made for this. Before God laid the foundation of creation, he knew Greg Williamson and he purposed me to be. Now here's the thing, I'm not special. God created you on purpose for a purpose as well. And so many times we see like what a pastor does is like really important, but maybe what you do as a, as a teacher, as a financial advisor, you know, maybe as a uh, you work in automotive repair or, or whatever your job, maybe it's in law enforcement, you would see that as something less significant than what I'm doing right now. But the reality is in God's eyes, it is just as significant what you do as what I do. 
God created you on purpose for a purpose, and he has placed you where you are for a reason. And so if that's a teacher, if that's being a student, so many times, you know, at, at students, high school, we kind of choose, where do I want to go to college? And, and you make that big decision, and you think maybe, possibly, you might find that, that significant person God has for you, you, you know, to spend the rest of your life, maybe during those college years, and you might. But maybe God's doing something even bigger than that. Maybe God has placed you on that campus to be influenced for his sake, you know, life's got a funny way of just kind of surprising us about things we never knew. For instance, uh, when I was 18 years old, I went down to Pensacola, Florida to Bible college. And I did end up meeting the woman that I would spend the rest of my life with, and we, we got married. But also, as I was an intern in the youth ministry there, there was a, there was a young fellow who was in high school in the youth ministry. This is over 35 years ago. And his name is George Engel, and he's sitting in the back of the tech booth right now. And I met George when I, was eight, when I was 18, and he was 17 years old down in Pensacola, Florida. He's a calculus teacher now at Clarkstown South, is it, or North? Clarkstown South. And we never know. But here in New York, as a member of the church that I'm pastoring, and we met down in Pensacola when I was 18 and he was 17. God has placed you where you are for a reason. And so I think that every one of us, we need to do more than just work for the weekend. As Loverboy saying, could I put it this way? You were made for Mondays. You were made for Mondays. And what I'm doing right now on a Sunday is no more significant than what you are going to be doing on Monday if you have a five-day-a-week, Monday-through-Friday kind of job or if you're in, in, in school studying as a student. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I think it's so important. Because again, we're talking about unpopular opinion, and, and, and the world sees, uh, our, our world that, that, that doesn't recognize God's purpose in everything, the, the, the world says, the popular opinion is, your job or your career is to make a dollar. That, that's the, the, the popular opinion. It's just to like make some money so you can do the stuff that you want to on the weekend. You can live where you want to. You can drive what you want to. That's the whole reason for it is just to make some money. That's the popular opinion. But the unpopular opinion is your job or your career is to make a difference. Is to make a difference. Not just to make a dollar, but to actually make a difference in the lives of those that God brings into your life and surrounds you with. So much more, I believe, that, that so many Christians, and it wasn't this way in the early church for the first almost 250, 300 years of the early church. They recognized this. But, but things began to change shortly thereafter. This whole idea that, that some things are sacred and some things are secular, that whole division between clergy and laity, it doesn't exist anywhere in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament at all, this divide that like what I'm doing as a pastor is the holy stuff, and what you do during the week is like the unholy stuff, doesn't make any difference, no significance whatsoever. In fact, 500 years ago, during the Protestant Reformation, this was one of the rally cries of the Protestant Reformation, trying to go back to what the Bible actually said, and it's the idea of the priesthood of all believers. All Christians are priests. 
Every single follower of Jesus Christ is actually considered a priest. And the scripture tells us that. The trouble came when in 249 AD, Cyprian, the bishop of Carthage, he drew a distinction between what is now referred to as clergy and laity. That that, that pastors or priests, they were the holy ones, and the rest of everyone else were just the unwashed masses. What you did on a regular basis had no significance whatsoever. That wasn't the original understanding for almost the first three centuries of the Christian church. 300 years. In fact, let's look at what the Bible actually says about you and me together. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you, speaking of every follower of Jesus Christ, but you are a chosen race. We're actually a whole different race as a follower of Christ. We're in the family of God. A royal priesthood. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so right now, just turn to the person next to you and say, uh, newsflash, you're a priest. Go ahead and tell them right now. Just turn right now. Just a newsflash, you're a priest. For those of you joining us on our online campus, I hope there's someone next to you you can turn to and say that too. If not, just tell yourself that, all right? Hey, let's welcome everybody on our online campus, by the way. Thank you for joining us because you're unable to make it uh, here in person. We appreciate it. Uh, Every week we have almost 500 people join us on our online campus and we're grateful for it. You are a royal priesthood. That's not talking about Greg. That's talking about every follower of Christ. Holy people. And this was the mindset of the early church for almost, as I said, 300 years. That the moment that someone received Jesus Christ as their Savior, they became a a, a new race of people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a nation within any nation. A people of his own possession that you may do what? What's the purpose of the priesthood? What's the purpose of, of this holy nation? To proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are where you are for God's sake. You were made for Mondays. I was made for Mondays. It's not an accident. Sunday morning is not like the main event, and and then the rest of the week is insignificant. In fact, in Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19 puts it this way. You are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. Right where God has placed you, God has placed you where you are, Monday through Friday, you know, the other six days, Monday through Saturday, to be a godly influence on those around you. To influence, not that the world would influence us, but that we would actually influence those around us. And so here's my first question for you today. Are you an influencer or are you more influenced by those around you? Because the Bible clearly says you're just supposed to be an influence. I'm supposed to influence those around me. Look at just a few things, again, about the other six days of the week that the Bible says about the work that you and I do. Incredibly significant from God's point of view. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 puts it this way. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving 
is Christ. Jesus is actually your boss. He's the master that you're serving. And what that means is maybe we, maybe we have a boss that, you know, isn't the greatest person in the world, rubs us the wrong way. Maybe we have that teacher uh, in the classroom that just seems like there's nothing we can do to get that good grade that we're trying for. But, but understand this, it's really not about that boss. It's really not about that professor. You do it as unto the Lord. Jesus Christ is your boss. He's the professor. And you give the best effort that you possibly can, not because your boss deserves it, not because he's the greatest professor in the world, but, but you, you give your very best effort. Why? To demonstrate the excellency that is in Jesus Christ and to influence those around you. That's what he's called you to. That's what he's called me to. And so I think about, you know, for instance, my friend Chris Kelly over here has a great uh, business patriot uh, What's it called? Patriot Restoration. And, and uh, they restore these old, like 100-year-old windows. And so when he approaches his job, what does that mean? That, that he's going to do the very best, not for the person who's paying him, for Jesus, as he restores these windows in, in these historic landmark buildings all, all throughout the Northeast. Because it's not, about the, it's not about the paycheck. It's about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When I coached high school football in, in the community here uh, for 12 years, I, I wanted to be the very best coach I could possibly be. Not because I just wanted to win, although it's really fun winning. I'm not going to lie to you. Winning is a lot of fun. But because I wanted to be a positive influence on those players that, that God put on the team every year at John Jay High School and at Lord's High School as well. The master that you're serving for me as an assistant coach, it wasn't the head coach. You, you know, for, for where you are, it's not the boss. It's, not, it's Jesus. And, and one of the things that I think we need to get back to as followers of Christ, there used to be this thing called the Protestant work ethic. And the whole thing was this, that those that expressed their faith in Christ as Protestant Christians Businesses and companies would hire them over any people of any other faith. The reason why is they worked harder, they worked longer, and they worked with better excellence than anyone of any other faith. The Protestant work ethic. Because they understood, we're not doing it for the guy who's signing the check or, or the company, the corporation on that check. We're doing it for Jesus Christ. That we would demonstrate the excellency of Jesus Christ in whatever we put our hand to. See, we're not just supposed to work for the weekend. We're supposed to work for the Savior every single day. Our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. The master you're serving, the master that I'm serving is actually Jesus Christ. You know, I, I used to, I want to be honest, I used to think that the local church was the hope of the world. I don't believe that anymore. I used to think that the local church was the hope of the world. I don't believe that anymore. I believe that the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. The local church understanding who it is that God has called us to be and going out as those sent into the community to make a difference. That is the hope of the world. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus put it this way. You are like salt for everyone on earth. He's talking to his followers. 
You and I are supposed to be a positive influence for Jesus Christ and everyone we come in contact with. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine so that others may see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. That others would see the good that you do, not just on a Sunday, but the good that you do day in and day out and give glory to your Father in heaven. I remember, like, okay, just before I tell this story, let me just frame it so you understand. I, I wasn't born a pastor. I haven't been a pastor all my life, okay? Like, like that happened when I was 22. When I was in high school, I actually worked at uh, Friendly's in Fishkill. I scooped ice cream at Friendly's in Fishkill, uh, right on Main Street in Fishkill there. Now it's Stefano's Italian Restaurant. But I actually won the Silver Scoop Award in the Scoopathon uh, and everything. They had a little plaque with a silver scoop on it hanging on the wall there. And, and I was a Christian at the time, and uh, I, I, know I, was gonna, I knew it, I was going to go to Bible college, become a pastor, but I was a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and I did all that I could really to be a positive influence, to be salt, to be light. You, you know, whenever I would spend time and sometimes go out after work with some of the people from work and all. There was another guy that, that I knew, uh, and, and he worked there as well, and he said he was a Christian as well. And, and, and as we're working there, a few months go by, after, I was hired first, and then he was hired a few months after that, and some people came up to me, and they're like, wait a minute, you know, uh, Greg, you're different, though, than, than that guy. I'll say his name's Dave. You're different than Dave. And, and he says he's a Christian, and you say you're a Christian. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you mean we're different? He's like, well, well he's, he's like creepy with the girls. He's always scamming on the girls and, and he's always like swearing and everything. But he says he's a Christian and you say you're a Christian. And, and it started really bothering me because I'm trying to influence the people in my work environment for Jesus. So Dave and I had a little chat. And I said, Dave, listen, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah, I love Jesus with all my heart. He's my Savior and Lord. I was like, okay, so I just want to let you know something. I'm going to beat the living crap out of you unless you start acting like one. I Seriously, I said that. I was like, I'm going to beat the crap out of you unless you start acting like a Christian. I won't act Christianly if you're not going to act Christianly. He's like, are you serious? I was like, do I look serious? He's like, okay, gotcha. And, and you say, well, that's kind of crazy. That's, that's why Dave ended up becoming a pastor himself. About five, six years later, Susie and I are married. We're walking on Main Street, and this car pulls off to the side, almost hits us, er, slams on the brakes. Dave jumps out, and he runs around. He was here visiting his parents. He's like, Greg, I just want to thank you so much for threaten, threatening me with bodily harm that day. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I needed someone to hold me accountable and just to call me out that I wasn't being who I was supposed to be in those friendly days back then. Now, I don't advise that, okay? That's not a great form of, of accountability and discipleship or anything like that. But, but the whole I was aware, even as an 18-year-old, that God had placed me where I was for a reason. And there were people I was coming in contact, people I was having conversations with, that God wanted to leverage every one of those contacts, every one of those conversations for his sake. And the same is true for you. I'm not special. The same is true for you as well. Everyone you come in contact with, every conversation, God wants to leverage for his sake. Let your light shine. So that others would what? See the good that you do. Literally the work that you do. The, the, the grades that you make. 
the work of our hands. See the good that you do and praise your Father in heaven. This is an unpopular opinion because culture and society says your job career is to make a dollar, but God says your job and career is to make a difference. So again, I ask you, are you an influencer or are you being more influenced by those around you? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at what the scripture tells us. And I love this, this kind of analogy that, that by the Holy Spirit, as Paul writes this to the Christians at Corinth, that, that he gives us this understanding that is the same for you and is the same for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we'll confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. God has given every one of us a sphere of influence. He's given you a circle of influence, a sphere of influence. And, and that influence is not over stuff. It's a sphere of influence in people's lives around us. You see what Paul says? Paul says, you're in our sphere to the church in Corinth, the Christians in Corinth. He goes, the people there, you're in our sphere of influence. And he's literally influencing them by what he's writing here, which is the second letter to the church of Corinth. But God's given you a sphere of influence as well. God's given me a sphere of influence as well, influence in people's lives. And it goes on in verse 15, it says, neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. That's what God's looking for, an expanding sphere of influence through your life for his sake in the lives of other people. And then he says, he goes on, so that we can preach the gospel in the region beyond you, for we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. It's the same word, sphere there. So, so think about just right now, just for a moment, think about the sphere that God's placed you in. Maybe it's a education sphere. Maybe it's military law enforcement maybe it's finance, maybe it's entertainment, whatever sphere that is that God's placed you in, think about the people that God is allowing you to rub shoulders with. Maybe it's, it's family, maybe you're raising uh, children uh, uh, you know, day in and day out. They're at home. That's a sphere of influence that God's given to you. How are you leveraging that sphere for his sake as salt and light? Because again, what you do the rest of the week is just as significant as what I'm doing right here, right now. There's no difference from God's perspective. Think about the sphere that God's given to you and how are you leveraging that for his sake? See, this is God's dream. This, this is God's plan A for this planet and there is no plan B. That God would work in our lives and God would work through our lives to impact this world for his sake. See, God never blesses an individual for their own benefit. That's why the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Every blessing, every promotion, every opportunity that God gives you, he's doing it for a reason so that we will leverage that for influence in the sphere that he's given to us. 
every single one. Blessing is never for our own benefit. So let me put it this way, like just, just to make the point really clear. If God's called you to be a janitor, don't settle for being a pastor. Don't settle for being a pastor. If, if God's called you to, to whatever it is, don't settle. For some, sometimes Christians have this idea that pastor is like the pinnacle. No, we're all level at the foot of Jesus, at the foot of the cross. Being a pastor is not better than, in fact, I could show you in the Bible that it's actually, as a pastor, I'm going to be judged even more harshly by Jesus when I stand before him one day. There's a whole other level of of critique and evaluation that that the light of Jesus Christ, my life is going to be put under. It's, it's, It's not glamorous at all. So so whatever God's called you to, don't settle for being a pastor. Don't settle for being anything other than what God has called you to. And you fulfill that purpose that he prepared you for before the beginning of time. So important that we really understand this because our work relationships, I think God just wants so much more out of them than we possibly could even imagine. That's why we showed the little promo uh, just a minute ago about our Connexus conference that's coming up in October. Connexus Leadership Network is actually a, a, a network of, of really leaders in the marketplace, Monday through Saturday, the other six days of the week that, that, that I'm actually you know, thrilled and honored to be the president of since 2015. And we're relaunching it after a shutdown, and, and we haven't had a Connexus conference in a couple years and, and we're going to be bringing in some wonderful people, some incredible people. We're not actually bringing them in. They're, they're, they're paying their own way. Friends of mine that I know that are literally like multi-multi-millionaires that have started businesses from the ground up. This is not like a pyramid thing or, or anything like that. This is just to empower you where you are. That have, have conducted their business based on biblical godly principles. Almost every single one of them, I think there's one exception one of the men that's coming, but everyone else literally was born in obscure poverty, abject poverty, and now just amazing what God has done in their life, following biblical principles of economics, biblical principles in leadership. And so if if that's something you'd be interested in, I, I encourage you to sign up, register today for our Connexus conference, because this is a passion of mine, is to help Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, understand their purpose, not just on Sunday in church, but Monday through Saturday, the other six days of the week. Because one hour on Sunday is just, God's got so much more in mind for you and for me than just that. So four important questions real quick that I think we should ask ourselves when it comes to the sphere and where God's placed us the other six days. The first of all is why. why. Why would he do this? See, God really, really likes it when you and I serve other people. It puts a smile on his face. And so maybe you're in a position uh, in, in your workplace where you have uh, leadership, that there are people that are answering to you and you're leading a team or, or something like that. Understand this. From God's point of view, every leader, a real leader, is not a person with a title or a position. It's a servant. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for humanity. 
And so there's a sense, a very true sense, especially, but it, this is everywhere, but especially in the church of Jesus Christ, that I'm supposed to be the number one servant in this church family, the biggest servant in this church family. If I am the leader, I should be the biggest servant. And so what does that mean for me? Did, may be surprised you, I've cleaned every single toilet in this building numerous times. You see the the wood stained around the stained glass up there, I stained that myself. I hung that myself. I put all the insulation, exterior insulation, in the whole entire building here when I was 20 years old as a college student. I've served in children's ministry. I've served in the youth ministry. Every single, and there's not one thing in this church. I even, believe it or not, was on the worship team for a certain time. I don't play any instrument, but I played the tambourine. Man, I was good at it. And uh, they gave me a mic the first time, and then they said, let's take that microphone away from Greg. He doesn't need that. Just let him play the tambourine. Serve. Serve. The greatest is supposed to be the servant among you. Not the, not the boss, not the know-it-all, not the one who tells everyone else what to do, but to serve. And that puts a smile on Jesus' face because he was a servant. The Bible puts it this way. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, don't forget to do good things for others and to share what you have with them. These are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. Mother Teresa put it this way, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And I don't think that means he had his hands in his pockets. He didn't have, he had a robe, he didn't have pockets. We're supposed to be his hands extended, the feet of Jesus walking. Where is it that we're supposed to serve? Right where we are. Right where God's placed you. In other words, it's not about some dream job yet to come. It's right where you are. The Bible puts it this way, he who is faithful in little will be given great. That what you're doing right now is actually qualifying you or disqualifying you in God's point of view from a potential promotion and greater influence, greater leadership. If you're being faithful where you are right now, where God's placed you. Right where you are, your world. God's plan is to change the world and every Christian to change their world. That's how it's going to happen. Interesting, when, when some of you know the story of uh, Moses, when, when Moses grew up in Egypt and then found out actually he was Hebrew and he killed an Egyptian and then he ran for his life, he's in the desert and God speaks to him through a burning bush, gets his attention and says, I want you to go back and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he's like, I'm just a shepherd. How, how in the world am I going to do it? How am I going to show him? How am I possibly, what can I possibly do to show Pharaoh that he needs to let your people go. And God answers him back in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And God said, throw it to the ground. And when Moses, as a shepherd at that time, threw the staff to the ground, it became a snake. And then he said, pick it up. And when he picked it up, it became a staff again. Isn't it interesting when Moses said, what am I going to do to show Pharaoh that you mean business? What am I going to do to change his mind? What am I going to do to influence him? God's response was, what's in your hand? Not, oh boy, you lack some necessary equipment that I forgot to tell you about and somehow I got to get it to you. 
It's what's in your hand right now. What has God given you right now? Where has God placed you right now? It's not about what's yet to come. It's not about the promotion. It's not about the dream job or anything. Where has God placed you right now for his sake? To influence those around you. Because think about it. If this was true, this whole clergy laity idea that's not in the New Testament anywhere, but if that was the truth, think about it. There are people that you're rubbing shoulders with day in, day out, week after week, day after day, month after month, that will never darken the door of this church and never hear me preach. That's why God's placed you where you are. To be salt, to be light, to influence them right where you are. So if that's raising the kids at home, you raise them as prince and princess in the house of God. That they belong to God. And you're a steward over them. Wherever it is that you work, if it's at the, if it's at the dentist office, you, you just show so much hospitality and love and care for those patients. They're like, what is up with this lady? I'll tell you what's up. Jesus is my Savior and Lord. He loves you. And I just wanted you to have a great day. Just shine. Just, just shine that way. What's in your hand, right where he's placed you? It's not, you're not lacking anything exactly where you are, just like Moses. What was in his hand was enough. And what's in your hand today is enough to influence others for Jesus Christ. What God had placed in his hand, in Moses' hand, he placed there to change the world, his world. And he's already put in your hands exactly what you need to change your world as well. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Wow, how about that? We, we just have to be satisfied that uh, when we put our head on the pillow at the end of the day, God, I gave you my best. I gave you my all. I, I did the very best that I possibly could for you, right where you placed me. We answered why, we answered where, how are we going to do it? A couple, a couple of suggestions here. First of all, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Just, just be sensitive to, to the Holy Spirit's just nudges throughout the day. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, it says, Do all that you can for everyone who deserves your help. Don't let your neighbor, uh, I'm sorry, don't tell your neighbor to come back tomorrow if you can help them today. It's just amazing, and you've experienced this, I think, so many times. God is speaking to you and I so much more than we actually realize it, that, that maybe you, you pass by a coworker and you just, you know them well enough because you work with them close enough uh, on a regular basis. You can just look at their face like, hey, is everything okay? Well, not, not really. And then they begin to open up their heart and their life to you. Just be sensitive to those, those promptings of the Holy Spirit. But when it's almost just like you just recognize something's just not right, something's a little bit off. Hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Maybe it would even be appropriate like, to even say, would you mind if I prayed for you? Just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. Amazing the difference that can be made if we're just sensitive that before we even go out to work or go out to school, God, show me. Make me sensitive to those around me that you want me to influence their life today.
do all that you can. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. And then the second suggestion I'd make is this. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and fill it. Find something where you were, some, some issue, some, some problem, solve the problem. I've got a lot of folks that, 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 that work with me. You, you know, I, I love the problem solvers. It, it takes no talent to point out the problem. It takes real talent to, to solve the problem, to, to come up with the solution. And it's amazing, if you're a solution finder, it's amazing how you'll find promotion after promotion after greater sphere of influence in people's lives. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 10 says, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. There's that whole idea again. And your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Isn't that amazing that the Bible says that if we look to, to fulfill, to help other peoples in need, God will satisfy our needs. God will take care of us when we're looking of how can we find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. And the fourth question is this, what? What are we going to do? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. What is it that God wants you to do on a regular basis, Monday through Friday? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, craftsmanship. You are, I am, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know that? God's got a list of things that he wanted you to accomplish. That's why you're on this planet. That's why I say you were made on purpose for a purpose. There's no accidental children. No such thing in God's perspective. You were made on purpose for a purpose. When you discover that purpose, and that's why we have growth track on Sunday mornings right upstairs at 9 o'clock, so people can discover their unique design and purpose where that fits into God's big plan for this planet. Such a passion of mine because I think it's such a passion of God's. You fulfill that plan and purpose and look at this, God prepared beforehand, before you ever drew your first breath, before you were even conceived, God had a plan and purpose for your life. That's where you and I find total fulfillment and satisfaction when we recognize and we discover what that plan and purpose is. And we set our hearts and our minds and our schedules to fulfilling that plan and that purpose. Here's the reason why. Not only does God have a plan prepared for you and a purpose for you, to good works to accomplish. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 puts it this way. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire will show if a person's work has any value. And you know what our real, the only value that our work here on earth is really going to have before God is? The work that he called us to fulfill. The purpose that he created you for. The purpose that he created me for. So remember, we won't be judged by what we did. You and I one day will stand before God, every one of us, 
And he'll judge us by what he called us to do. What was it he created you to do? What was it he created me to do? See, the world says the popular opinion is your career, your job is just to make a buck, make a dollar. God says, I've placed you where you are, not just to make a dollar, but to make a difference for my sake. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now in this moment, I have this keen awareness that for many of us, Lord, this is, this is something we've never even thought about. Maybe we've never heard taught about. But God, I just thank you for your word that just brings life to us, brings purpose to us, not just on a Sunday morning, Lord, but the other six days as well. Father, I pray right now, those joining us online and even uh, those in person as well, that, Lord, we would leave here today with a greater sense of purpose, that you have placed us where we are, whether it's in the classroom, the marketplace, Lord, wherever it is, for your sake. Lord, that we would truly be salt, that we would truly be light, and we would make a difference, Lord, knowing that ultimately the work that we do with our hands is a worship to you and that you have prepared these good works for us to do even before you created us. And may, that, may we, when we stand before you that day, Lord, when everything is burnt up except what you called us to, Lord, may we hear those words from the, your lips, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into all that I have prepared for you. Thank you, God, that you love us so much. Lord, we're not saved by our work, but God, you save us through your son's life, death, and resurrection. And then you give us work to do for your sake because we have been saved and forgiven to impact and influence other people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as is custom, we, we like to end around here with a, with a blessing straight from the pages of Scripture. It's been spoken over the people of God for like centuries upon centuries at this point. And I think it's kind of cool that we can kind of continue in that chain. So uh, if you want to kind of symbolize receiving that, you can raise your hands like this like a lot of people do. And it goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace. Go in peace, Valley family. We'll see you next time.